Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them and that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> You are now listening to Crime True Crimes with your hosts, Maddie Mann, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gabb. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crimes podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox. And we're just going to be us two. Uh, Gabby Gabb's not feeling well today, so it's going to be us, so we're going to hold it down. So thanks for tuning in today. Um, before we get started, we'll let you guys know where you can find us. Uh, you can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora if you're uh, if you want to listen to us. Uh, if you want to follow us on um, on our social media, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in "Grindy True Crime." And for those listening to us outside of the country, continue to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Go to RedBubble.com. Type in Podfox. 80 for merchandise if you want to purchase any merchandise courtesy of the grinding true crime and as always listeners discretion is advised and please leave a five-star liking if you like us and if you don't like us well we were just not the podcast for you <laughs> <laughs> so well with all that being said i'm gonna shut up and let todd fox take it away you got a story for us todd yes sir i do let's hear it all right, today's story is going to be about Ashley Reeves. Oh, a, a woman. Yes, a woman. And okay. uh, <clears throat> this one's going to take place in the heartland of the uh, United States. Uh-oh. So, yeah, we're going to be in Illinois today. Here we go. Yes, sir. Uh, to, be, uh, to be exact, we're going to be in Millstadt, Illinois, uh, in the year 2006. Oh, so very, fairly recent. Fairly recent, yeah. Okay. It's hard to believe that 2006 is fairly recent. It's not recent. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's man, it's flying by. Um, this city is usually a blip on the radar. It's it's about five to six miles long. Um, nothing to speak that is special um, about it because usually you can go to Wikipedia and find a cool war story or something that happened. Maybe downtown burnt down, and or or there was a big riot, or you know something happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to the Wikipedia, outside of this case, uh, the biggest thing that happened there was a barn raising in 1836. <laughs> well, that's some excitement. <laughs> exactly. So, the uh, the city has grown since then, hopefully, but it's a uh, it's only got a uh, it only tops out at about four thousand people. So it's not a okay. Yeah, it's mostly like your farm area. You know, a few shops downtown. Typical, typical small, small town. Got it, got it. Uh, This is like one of those towns that's like where if you're driving through, you had some Taco Bell a couple miles down, and you're trying to get across the state, and you need to take a dump really bad. It's a good place to stop off and take a dump. (laughs) (laughs) That's about it, man. (laughs) All righty. So, um, Ashley Reeves... If you've seen a picture of her, especially most of hers, when you first Google it, it's her high school picture because this is the time of 
time that she was alive when uh you know this this takes place so she's a high schooler at this time and she's got that like i haven't left the 90s yet type look you know she's got like blonde hair in kind of pigtails with a big smile a kind of a gap in her top tooth um, kind of like topanga boy meets world something like that yeah but but overdone eyeliner she has gotcha. way too much light she's she's going for the afi type look like the punk rock look gotcha, um, gotcha. yeah yeah so she's she's like into that kind of stuff um so in her family it was her her mother her father and younger sister who was 15 at the time no 14 at the time okay um her younger sister looked up to her as a good role model because she got good grades she was popular she was good at basketball and um so nice yeah everyone kind of liked her so typical family in the midwest you know of that nature um ashley at the time had a boyfriend who was also a senior and uh, the two would meet up routinely to see one another each and every day either going out to get something at the local uh, restaurant or hanging out at the park with friends um he was on the football team uh he had a nice suv that uh, when she needed to use it uh he would let her use it for errands and to hang out and things like that so he had like a gmc or something and was like hey go ahead and take a girl you know like that like he he didn't really care while he was at football practice she took his truck. All right. So that was the kind of relationship they had. And, of course, like I said, she played basketball. She was pretty good at it. And um, she wasn't tall or nothing like that, but she could shoot. And, you know, she was uh, very athletic. WNBA bound, huh? I wouldn't say that. But uh, she, was, she was good. Well, well, basically anyone can get in that sport. But I digress. That's a story for another day. <laughs> Joanna, man. Um, Stop it. <laughs> Ashley's involvement with her parents was normal, as well as she was a typical Midwestern girl with good grades, several social clubs, um, nothing really for her parents to complain about. So she's not one of these girls that we talked about in the story before where, you know, she's going to come out there and abuse her parents verbally or she's doing drugs or things like that. She's a pretty much a straight A student and really respectful and cool. So. So, so far, where could this story go right, wrong, right? So far, it's looking like, you know, a typical American dream family. Exactly. Until I bring up a date, which, oh. is, which is Thursday, April 27th, 2026. When there's a date, there's a problem. Exactly. So, uh, <clears throat> Ashley, on that morning, Thursday would ask her boyfriend to borrow his SUV when they got to school because she was going to uh, go to Bellevue, which was a city about 15 miles outside of Millstadt to apply for a job and that had an immediate interview along with it. Uh, She also told her boyfriend that she was going to play basketball at Bellevue Park right after, which which she would do once or twice a week, usually when she would borrow his truck Anyways, so she's like, well, I'm a knockout playing basketball after my interview. Hopefully I get to celebrate after I get the job. Okay. So um, she tells her parents, too, before she goes to school, like, hey, I got this big interview coming up um, I today after school. I'm also going to play basketball. So I probably won't be back until about six, seven o'clock at night. And they're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
there's they, they trust her you know like maybe me and you would be different living in the big city like oh absolutely like, you want to bring your mace a gun or you know be careful absolutely but they're all all right you know <laughs> so uh <laughs> he gave his keys to her in the morning uh when they met up for first period and was like yeah you know wish you good luck give her a kiss on the cheek and say you know you look beautiful and all that other stuff and typical boyfriend girlfriend type thing okay so uh you know she takes off uh, or she she you know she goes to school and everything else like that gets through school and uh she takes her younger sister who's a freshman at the time home drops her off and she says hey i'll be back a little later explains to her what's going on and she heads off for bellevue okay so what could go wrong so far so good yeah so far so good we're all hoping she gets a job right but uh but unfortunately evening gave way till tonight and it is about 10 p.m and her sister's on the on the phone talking with her friend and her mom walks in and says hey have you heard from your sister like we've texted her we've called her nothing yeah crap yeah and uh and, and then they her sister starts immediately calling her friends nothing no one's heard from her no one's seen her and it's 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 kind of weird that she's not reached out to her friends like it's it's one thing like me and you are teenagers and you know we're not gonna hang you know we're not gonna hit up our our parents maybe right exactly but we'll hit up our friends and be like hey you know i'm over here i'm you know this exactly yeah there's nothing bro there's no trace of her whatsoever man. yeah and so when they call her phone it's going to voicemail and that's not a good sign it's not a good sign at all. They keep trying to call at different times, spreading it out. Maybe she's blocking a few people. Nothing. And um, it's not like her because, you know, even if she were to lose track of time, she would call somebody. Let someone know what's going on. Uh, but there's nothing. So at this point, we're approaching midnight. And um, of that night, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be pulling into Friday morning at this time because it's Thursday evening at this time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so often we do shows on here where we always talk about bungling cops we always make fun of them i'm here to tell you for like i think the second straight story in a row or at least two out of three i'm not gonna go with a hillbilly accent on this one even though what yeah even though we're in the heartland (laughs) (laughs) where this stuff takes place on a on a daily i can't make fun of these policemen oh they did their thing I will say the detectives and the police did an amazing job in this story. I've never heard you say an amazing job when it comes to detective and police. So this must be really good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like you're going to see, like they did their homework and, and, uh, I'm, I'm just here to say, man, I I can't complain. I can't make fun of them. There is like, they gave me no uh, room, even though I want to use the accent so bad, (laughs) I can't do it. All right. Yeah, they actually get an A plus from me in this one. Wow. Yeah. So spoiler alert on that. Okay. Um, so here's the first thing they do right. So they call the police department. The mother does. Mm-hmm. And again, you know what's what's usually the time period in the United States where they say oh, twenty four hours. Yes, and that's on the minimum. Some places are forty eight. Um, so so she calls in, and this is less than a few hours that she's been missing. And she has such concern on her voice and the police actually care, like the, the officer that picked up the phone, mm-hmm. he, he leaned over to his sergeant and said, look, we get a lot of these phone calls and these, you know, 
these kids usually wind up with their, you know, just out too late and they've never really had this problem. Crime is really low where they're at. Mm-hmm. But he said something about the mom's voice. He's like, I can't get over it. He's like, I think we should jump on this one. And that's good. Yeah. He had a hunch. He did have a hunch. And what they did is the sergeant's like, well, there's nothing else going on in town. We've got like, <laughs> we've got like six <laughs> officers. Let's put them all to work. <laughs> <laughs> and so they sent them out. I mean, what crime is happening in there? <laughs> yeah. Someone tipped another cow. Damn it. <laughs> We're going to have to get back to that cow later. We got to go find this girl. <laughs> it, it helps to be in an emergency when you're in a small town like that. Oh, yeah. Try, try getting that kind of response in a big Ooh, city. That's... Come on now. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> they still they'll they'll still be on the phone with the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they they to their uh you know credit, they they said, you know, let's send them out. So they sent out the six uh police officers and um they were coordinated. They just didn't send them out there and say, Hey, go look for them. They they uh-huh. said they said, Hey, okay, you two go go pull in the boyfriend, go find the boyfriend. Uh, you two go look out uh, for for the vehicle, and then you two go to the parents' house and get questions. Like they had assignments and roles. Nice. And, yeah, they went with it. So they split up and they went out, and um, the police tracked down the boyfriend who was in the next town over. He okay. was he was doing some work at his uncle's bar, uh, doing a little construction after school. Okay. And then uh, they were looking for the vehicle and found. Uh, her vehicle where she said it was, which was parked at Bellevue Park, which was 15 minutes away. Okay. But the thing that was alarming to police is when they found her SUV, um, they saw her purse, wallet, and clothes for basketball and interview, like nice dress clothes, still folded up in the back seat. Mm. Yep. Yep. Not good. Not good at all. And no, And she was nowhere to be found. And and the SUV was unlocked. Yeah, not a good sign. Yeah, exactly. They didn't see any kind of struggle in the in the vehicle. Um, they didn't notice anything out of place. Just everything was well kept, but right there. You know what I mean? Where they found the car, uh, SUV was it like a grassy area or? No, it was just parked normally in the park, like any other okay. car. Yeah, so there was okay. no like she had to run or anything else like that. Like the police were like, "Damn, she just up and disappeared." You know, yeah, this is not making sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they bring they bring the boyfriend in, and it's like the middle of the night, and they're interviewing him, and they're trying to figure out, like, you know, what does he know? You know, mm-hmm. is he involved in this? You know, and and they're um, he's like, hey, look, you can check my phone. Like, I'm I'm worried. I haven't seen her. You know, she texts me that she was going to call me in a little bit, and she never called me back. I've tried to call her. I can't get a hold of her. What's going on? He's like, look at my phone. He's like, I'll take a polygraph. Like when you watch the video online, mm-hmm. like super cooperative and he's like emotional. He's like, I, I don't know where she's at. You know, like this is freaking me out too. Like, I understand you guys, like he's, I understand they had to question him, but he's yeah. like, like, I'll give you everything you want to know. Like I've, I have nothing to do with this. I'm just as concerned as you are. So for 17 year old, he's very mature. You know? All right. Yeah. So, um, the detectives are right away seeing that, yeah, this guy's coming off pretty damn genuine. Like, he literally has no idea um, what's going on. And, like, he was with his uncle. So, 
he's got a solid alibi. Alibi. Mm-hmm. So, doesn't look like he's the one that's responsible for something. That if there is something to be responsible for, he's not part of it. You know. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> he did say one thing that caught the detective's eye, though. Um, what did he say? He said that in the interview that uh, Ashley would go meet up at a park to play basketball with somebody. Now he didn't he didn't know exactly who it was, but he just knew that they would play basketball there. And uh, so this raised an eyebrow to the police, and mm. um, and the police were like, uh, "Who who is this guy?" And then he was like looking through his messages, and he's like, "Oh, it's um, oh uh, oh she mentioned it right here. It's this guy." And it's a, a former te- a former teacher she had at her old school, and so um, you know, what? He, yeah, he that she she meets up with him to play basketball. He's an older guy, he's like twenty six, twenty seven years old. And what? Yeah, he was like a teacher's aide when she was in when she was in elementary or something like that. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they still it's kind of kind of I don't know maybe because where they live it's a little different but come on Todd if you had a girlfriend would you be okay with her meeting up with another guy that's older than you one on one hell no <laughs> come on now <laughs> yeah but maybe maybe that's see we get that but maybe this is the midwest type of that's what I'm uh, saying maybe yeah. it's a little different from where you, you know you're a small town everybody know each other so it's probably a little different but over here mm-mm. yeah that ain't gonna fly cause... ain't flying because over there, she's like, baby, I'm going to go play basketball with Sam. Is that cool? You know, he's a few years older. All right. <laughs> he doesn't think of anything else. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's about the only argument you get is, All right. All right. <laughs> Y'all yeah, come back now after. You know. You're here? Yeah, yeah, you're here. <laughs> Sure that thing. makes sense, you know, the, the environment they're in probably. Cause, yeah. yeah. Okay. So the detectives would find out actually um, that his name is Sam Shelton. So they get the, the name. Okay. And, uh, you know, they, they ask, they ask a boyfriend before he leaves, like, uh, what's your, what's your idea about Sam Shelton? Is he, you know, is he a cool guy? Like, what do you know about him? And she's like, well, right now, like he's at the rival school over there in Bellevue. And he's their high school baseball coach. He's also like a part-time driver's ed teacher. Um, so he's a good guy from what she says. Mm-hmm. And then the police asked the same thing you did. They're like, well, aren't you concerned that she's hanging out with this Sam guy, you know, like to play basketball every, you know, a couple times a week? Well, there's one smart person. Yeah. What do you think he said, though? Uh, He probably said that, you know, I trust her and. You know, I know she wouldn't do anything crazy or something like that. Exactly. He said exactly that. And he vouched for Sam saying, look, I have nothing to worry about. You know, she's he's trying to help her get into college and do something secular and, and get better at basketball. She's getting better at basketball. I've seen her. He's a good guy. And they're like, well, she, he is almost 27 years old and she's 17. You don't think that there's anything that's going on between the two? And he came out emphatically on the video and was like, "No, I fully trust him, dude. Like, like he's he's legit. He's a cool guy. He's, you know, he's got his own like thing going on and mm. and uh, everything." So another detective walks in and was like, "He showed him the picture." He, and they're all like, "Is this the guy?" And they're all, "Yeah, that's him. That's him." And then um, he, uh, the detective goes, "Well, it says here he's two hundred and thirty-five pounds. 
he looks pretty muscular in this picture and uh the cops were even <laughs> the cops were like listen man not to sound you know but he's got some really beautiful blue eyes you don't think your girl would be into his blue eyes i'm just saying did that yeah they did they're like his blue eyes are crystal clear man i'm just saying <laughs> like if if i was to go that way I, i'd give sam a chance i'm just saying <laughs> and, they're all, and they're all like that's not even talking about his blonde zach like looking hair from uh from uh what's it called what's that one show on saved by the bell saved by the bell zach morris yeah he's got that zach morris blonde hair man i'm telling you he's rocking it like you don't see it bro <laughs> now if he's tall now if he's tall my goodness he, he would be the total package right <laughs> bro that's why the cops were fawning over him he's six foot three Oh, man. <laughs> That's Captain America right there, man. And here's the thing, though. he On the side, the police found out that he's actually he actually uses his teacher um, persona, what, what he works as, as a wrestling gimmick because on the weekends, he wrestles at local gyms and, wow. uh, and you know, in arenas as the teacher, the substitute wow. teacher. <laughs> the teacher. Yeah. Coming in at 235 pounds. <laughs> With striking blue eyes and blonde hair. <laughs> the teacher. The teacher. <laughs> so, yeah, see, me and you could do the uh, wrestling for that. Man, what would be his finishing move, though? Uh, I don't know. The book the end? Book I was, oh, you I got it. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> the book end. <laughs> of all the terms we could have came up with, and we nailed it like that. We're not well, even. That's why we brothers, man. I know we're not even the same studio. I could see if we're like we're right next to each other, but no. It's <laughs> oh, so I take it he's prime suspect. Right now, he's starting to to fall into it because now they know that he's the last one to see her as well. So, okay. <clears throat> so um, at the same time, you know, it's the next day. It's like midday, Friday, the twenty eighth, April. Um, the police and the families are calling everybody. They're still investigating. Later on the afternoon, um, though, they uh, they called Sam to find out, you know, because he came up on the phone phone lines. And uh, he – and this is a second straight story in a row we're talking about line dancing. And this one fits because it's in the Midwest. Makes sense. Yeah, when they call him, he's actually – it's after school and he's doing – he's at a club doing line dancing. <laughs> wow <laughs> and he's actually caught on video because some of those places have you know video and um he's dancing like nothing's going on and he's like oh no and, and the mom asked him and the sister because they both called him they're like oh you're a part of his con her contacts we're trying to find out um you know where you you know uh have you seen her and he's like nope haven't seen her gotta get back to dancing bye that sounds it. suspicious to me Mm-hmm. so uh they're all man he sounded very callous you know and so the mm -hmm. mom calls and says hey you should you should probably you know hit him up and see see what's going on so <clears throat> as they're trying to track him down they go to the the dance studio he's not there they find out he has baseball practice with his team and as he's out there on the field the detectives roll up with the police and say hey we need you to come in so they take him right off the field mm -hmm. so they take him to the police station um so once they get to the uh, police station and they get into the interrogation room and, you know, they spend about five or six minutes telling him how beautiful his eyes are and, 
and how he looks really good in a jersey as well, you know, because, you know, he's rocking the baseball jersey as the manager, you know. Um, <laughs> they start asking him questions about how he knows her and everything. Okay. And uh, so so they start, they start uh, you know, asking him questions. And another detective calls in and says, hey, you know what? I just talked to one of her friends and she just came up with a bombshell. What do you think the bombshell is? Uh, I'm going to say that her friend said that they had something going on intimately. Bingo. You're two for two. Look at here. Look at here. (laughs) (laughs) She, she came out and, and told the police that she had told her that she was dating an older man. What? Despite, despite being with her boyfriend for over three years. Wow. So this Ashley, it wasn't as uh, innocent as she thought she was, huh? No, she wasn't. She so was... this wait, this is the next day though, right? This is the next day. This is how fast okay. it's Okay. Yeah. Okay. So wow. we, yeah, we're 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 getting close to being twenty four hours into the case. Pretty much. But, but but that's it. You know, this is the first forty eight. We're you know, we're moving quick. Dang. <clears throat> yeah. So um he came out uh, you know, so so in the interrogation room. A cop comes over, passes a note to one of the two detectives, and one of the detectives says, hey, you know, we just got this information. So he, like, asked him, he goes, is there any truth to this? And um, here's, you want to hear his logic? Let's hear it. Okay, so he came out saying right away, hey, look, listen, listen. I know my eyes are beautiful. I know I have beautiful blonde hair. Stop it. And I know I do this move called the bookend. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, I've never, ever kissed Ashley. I would never do that. She's 17 and I'm 20, almost 27 years old. But we only had sex in the backseat of my car once, maybe twice. But I never kissed her. Never kissed her. Don't. He really said that? He's really said that. What a dummy. That's a quote. So it's, you know, the cops are like, all right. No, they weren't. They weren't. They were like, wait a minute. So how do you justify not kissing the girl, but you've had sex at least once or twice in the backseat of your car? Wow. Yeah. I mean, what do you what do you say to that? You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd have been like, listen, those eyes, how can she not kiss you? You're lying. You're lying, sir. <laughs> so so the dummy instead of he basically just admitted that he had a uh, sex with a minor which is jail time mm-hmm. instead of just saying that yeah you know we kissed yeah he could have just said we kissed yeah, yeah absolutely but he's like no nah, full-on penetration there it is <laughs> but i never kissed her wow yeah so this would prompt the police to be like, hey, we had a lot more questions. So the next two hours to three hours, his story would change. He kept changing his story the more questions they asked him. He said it was a relationship. Then he said it wasn't. Then he said that she was on to him and he wanted to break it off. And then all this stuff, it just kept going around in circles. Wow. Yep. And not to put you off. And the, her 
her 17 year old boyfriend had never came to see them like practice or do anything he hadn't even suspected anything jesus he just knew they played basketball that's it and that they were friends carry on <laughs> yeah so he's so this is the, so then he comes up with a story like four to five hours later i mean this thing is taking on a, a life okay. of its own he said okay, okay okay i admit it she was with me yesterday and the cops are like oh, okay what happened we went for a drive to go to play uh, basketball and at some point they were like you know what we want to you know she he said that she wanted to talk and that they started to talk and that he pulled that uh, after they uh, they got back in the car they started driving down the highway um as they were talking um she wanted to uh she wanted to keep the relationship going he said i don't think it's good anymore and it got to a point where she was starting to push and shove him in the vehicle so he feared that they were going to get into an accident so he pulled over to the side of the road and told her get out and then she wouldn't get out they started to struggle he then opened his door and pushed her out of the truck where she fell into a ditch. Okay. So that was his story. So obviously, again, that opens up more questions like, did you check on her to see if she was okay? And he's like, no, you know, after I, I kind of like kissed, kicked her out of the truck or pushed her out of the truck, I just drove away. Mm. So he basically admitted all the stuff. Yeah, he admitted that, <clears throat> hey, you know, like, it's nighttime. I boot her out of the car. Um, it's her fault. I was too pissed off. I drove away. So they were like, okay, so where did you go after that? He's like, I went down the road. I drove for about a good 20, 30 minutes. And then um, he's like, I, I just I, 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 I came another way back. I didn't go back into town the same way. And they said, okay, so you never went back to check on her. Maybe she hurt herself or something like that. What do you think his response was? He probably said, no, nah, I don't think she hurt herself or or she'll be okay. Or I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Okay. Probably something stupid. It is something stupid. So, <laughs> well, you're right there. I'll give you that one because you said it was something stupid. So three for three. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, his response was, um, if she, uh, I, I didn't want to drive back because I didn't want to see her in the ditch or on the road because she was hit by a car because it was so dark outside. And what if, you know, I saw her and she was bleeding everywhere. I have a weak stomach like officer. And this is his direct quote. Have you ever seen the movie Texas Chainsaw Massacre? He goes, I can't get through that movie without wanting to puke. He goes, how am I supposed to see real blood in real life? And the detectives were like, wait, so even if she what was bloody, idiot. even if she was bloody, you wouldn't have offered to help her. You wouldn't have been able to stomach it. You didn't you didn't worry one bit that. I mean, obviously, your relationship was wrong, but you still were in a relationship. And don't you have or didn't you have feelings for her at least to check on her? Nope. I can't. I can't find it in my heart to go back there or my stomach wow mm -hmm. so the detectives are like do you know whereabouts you left her nope uh, what road was it on I can't remember uh, it was somewhere out in the middle of Timbuktu or whatever you know 
you know so they're they're getting pissed bro i mean it's been like eight hours almost and he's changed his story like 10 times dude <clears throat> so it just happens that they he's like look i gotta i gotta drain the lizard can i go take a piss and they're like okay go ahead and he starts to walk into the restroom and this was not part of the plan but dave johnson with detective detective johnson ironically Detective um, Johnson. Yeah, he happened to be going to the restroom too, and he knows because it's a small town. Sam, as a kid, because he used to be in the explorers group of the um, the what's it called? Those uh, the Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. Yeah, so he knows of him. He knows his mother. He knows his grandmother, and uh, so he knows his whole family. Yeah, he knows his whole family basically. And uh, he okay. walked. He walked in there, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" He's like, "Oh, you know, they're investigating that Ashley kid." He's, "Oh, I heard about that." And so the you know, police, the detective starts asking him a few questions, and he's like, "Well, hey, you know, if if you want, you know, I, since I know you a little bit better, I'm pretty sure that these two officers have been hounding you. Uh, let's talk about it." I, he's like, "I got time. There's nothing else going on. This is a, the biggest case going on. I could, you know, talk with you." And so he starts small talking with him in the interrogation room, talking about his grandma, talking about his you know mother and how hard it was for him to grow up without a father, even talking about his wrestling stuff. And, you know, just Detective Johnson's just like shooting the crap with him, you know. OK. And so uh, he's like, you know what? Listen, he goes, I'm just going to cut to the chase. These officers have been trying at it for a while. You were the last one to see her. He's like, we know each other. You can tell me. He's like, did something happen? Because if something happened, he goes, the way that your mom raised you without a father and your grandma was there for you, do you really want this on your conscience? Do you really want to, to go home and know that, you know, you're hurting your mother, you're hurting your grandma? And he used that card. And by God, it worked. Mm. Yeah, it worked. So um, he's like, just tell me, man. Tell me tell me if you... If, he goes, I'll... I'll like, if you're honest with me, I won't ask you any more questions, man. And we'll just shoot the shoot the crap till we're done. He goes, but did something happen? And all of a sudden, dude, he broke down and started to cry. So those blue eyes were crying real tears. Wow. Yep. And uh, he said, let me know what happened. And, she, and right away, he says, um, he said, at least let me know. Is she alive? Is she somewhere? And he's like, she's not alive, but I know where she's at. And uh, he goes, okay, what happened? He said, the two got into an argument when we were in the car. Uh, she decided to break it off with him. So that's the truth. She was like, you know what? I can't do this no more. I have a boyfriend. I like you, but I can't. And mm -hmm. so, so he said something in him snapped. He began to get enraged and he began to choke her like wrestling style in the, in the back or in the, in the front seat of the car. Like she never had a chance. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing though. He heard a loud pop and he said that her neck broke. Oh, and she slumped over in the, in the, um, on the dash, like her head hit the dashboard and she kind of went limp, but she was breathing and, and kind of like trying to scream, but she mm -hmm. couldn't, she couldn't. So, <clears throat> what do you think this bastard does next? I think he's correct as far as throwing, seeing her in a ditch. I think he just grabs her and just tosses her over. Okay. 
not what happened, but he does he does remove her from the car. So I'll give oh, you half points. I'll give you quarter points on that one. Um, what he does is he drives to another park, which is ten minutes away. It's Citizens Park. He leaves her vehicle there. That's why her vehicle stayed at the park because she mm. was she was in his vehicle the whole time. Got it. So he goes to that park because it's got a lot of woods behind it, a lot of shrubbery. Like you could hide stuff in there and get away with it, right? Okay. So he and so by this time it's about nine o'clock at night. The previous night he puts her in the vehicle or takes her out of the vehicle, drags her her body to the um, deep into the the woods. Now she's still breathing and moaning at this point. How about to ask you? Is she still alive? Yeah, yeah, she's still alive. Okay. Okay, so then he takes his belt off, ties it around her neck, and begins to choke her, you know? Ugh. And then, so he chokes her out for a good three, four minutes, and then when he takes off her belt, to her, to his surprise, she's still alive. She's wow. still freaking alive. So what, what does the bastard do then? He flips her onto her stomach, ties the belt once again around her neck, as tight as he possibly can and pulls it then he puts his leg for leverage on the small on the on her the back of her neck like just below her neck and pulls as hard as he can bro for a good minute before the belt snaps oh. can you believe that trying to take her head off yep and and so at this point when the belt snaps she completely like he said her co- the coloration in her body changed it was like a purplish gray god so he rolled her over and where she was face up and she wasn't moving at all she wasn't breathing he killed her and he walked away and wow. he <clears throat> he got in his truck and drove off so what a freaking bastard man yeah yeah so so then they're like okay you know at this point we're looking at it's been 29 hours since she's been missing Mm -hmm. so we're still in the first 48 of the most critical time of a case and um he said okay um i'll show you where the body's at and and so they're like they're like okay yeah let's do this so they get in the car and they they head over to that park and uh you know, it's nighttime, it's raining, it's been raining like all day. And, um, you know, they have their flashlights out and they're looking for her in the middle of the night. You know, they have detectives out there. They brought some other people out there to try to find her body. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for about a good 30 minutes and they can't find it because there's a lot of shrubbery and they're starting to think, well, what if this guy's lying? Yeah. Where's she at? And just as they were about ready to be like, okay, come on, man. Like, give it up. They uh, An officer saw blonde hair from behind a tree. And mm-hmm. they shine the light over there. And this is crazy. It's on video of them in going through the woods, finding her body. The thing is, when they, they put three or four more lights on her, and they're like, okay, we need to start taking pictures of where we found her. To everyone's surprise, her eyelids start to move. Get out. Yeah. Her eyelids start to move, and this is this is after the fact that they just saw her motionless with thousands of bug bites all over her because she's been out there for 30 hours almost. 
in the rain. Get out. In the rain, dude. Her her neck looks twisted because her her head's like to the side. She you know she can't move. Her her fingertips are shaking, and so one of the detectives gets down on one knee and says, "She goes." He goes right away. Call the police. Call or call the fire department. Call the ambulance. Call whoever you got to get in here asap. We're getting her out of here. He's like, "Hang in there, Ashley. Hang in there. Hang in there." He's like, "We're not going to let you die out here." And so he starts to get emotional. The other detectives are like, "Holy shit!" And what? So, yeah, yeah. She's she's alive. She's freaking alive. And he's out there. The the guy that did this to her is just feet away from her, and he can't believe it. He freaking can't believe it. What? Yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, right. Thirty hours, bro, in rain, off and on, and then being bit up by all the bugs and stuff that's around in the area with a broken neck. With a broken neck, yeah. So, the fire department ambulance get there. They're frantic. Uh, the paramedics are telling the, the the detectives, "Look, I don't know if she's gonna make it out of this park." And he's like, "She's gonna make it out of this park. She's not gonna die here. She's not dying on my watch." Like the detectives and the police are now they're emotionally involved because mm-hmm. you know, they have they have kids and daughters, too. So they're like, no, hell no, this isn't happening today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they wanted to kick homeboy's ass. That was, you know, oh, I bet. Right there. yeah, yeah. And so um, Detective Johnson, uh, you know, he he rides in the ambulance back to the, the house, the or to the house, to the hospital. And her forehead has blood, you know, her blood vessels are broken all throughout her neck, her face, her back. Um, she's bleeding internally. Um, her vocal cords are, are broken. You know, her neck's broken. Um, she has multiple lacerations from being out there and drugged through the woods, you know, the mm-hmm. trees and stuff, you know, cutting her and stuff. And she's got like just tremendous bruising around her neck. It, it looks really bad. Gosh. Um, the doctors, when they got there, they were like, oh, she's, she's, there's a very good chance she's brain dead. Like a very good chance she's brain dead. Even though her eye, eyelids are moving, her, you know, her fingertips, you know, it's just could be shock. So what they do is they put her into a medically induced coma. Okay. Because, you know, she can't, you know, she can't do anything else. Um, so at this point, they take the loser back to, um, to the interrogation room, the video cameras comes comes on again, and um, he gives out a little more details. He's surprised though that she's still alive. He can't believe it. Um, he then asks, uh, "What do you think?" He asked Detective Johnson once they've asked him pretty much all the questions and and everything else like that. What do you, What do you think his thoughts are about prison? He probably asked, "Am I? How long am I going to be in jail, or am I going to jail?" Think more petty and, and more mm. selfish. Selfish. Uh, am I going to get out in a few years? No, it has nothing to do with time. He, he actually he actually requests uh, two or three different things from the officer. He says, um, you know what? I really don't want to share a cell with somebody because <laughs> I'm not too comfortable peeing in front of others. Mm. And uh, so was, he wanted his own. Uh, he wanted to give his own little request of what he wanted in for prison. Yeah, because he's like, well, since you know, since she's not dead and all, you know, and and I took you to the body anyway, you know, I, I think I could get a, you know, a cell by myself because that would be very uncomfortable if I have to hold my pee and if the other cellmate's looking at me and 
you know, also, you know, I have contacts for these beautiful blue eyes. This is exactly what he said. I need a specific solution for my contacts, and I, I request that and my own toothbrush and toothpaste, please. Wow. <laughs> Some nerves, man. <laughs> exactly right. Hey, if I was Detective Johnson, I was like, <laughs> I would be looking at him like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> exactly. You'd want to bash his head in. Oh, man. So why Ashley's fighting for her life in the hospital, um, this, this scumbag gets bailed out by some family that actually has some money. So he's actually out um, on a, on bail for almost a year. See, this is what I don't get, man. Look, this is what I don't get. Mm-hmm. If you know you did it and the family members know you did it, why help them out? I don't know. I have no idea. Like, why would anyone bail him out, man? I don't know. I mean, he's a scumbag, dude. I mean, you would... What, first off, if I'm the judge, I'd put it to a number that they can't match. Um, Two billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then why? And like you said, how do the parents or family or whoever helped him get bailed out, like, go to bed at night being like, yeah, you know, you almost killed a woman, but... Uh, you exactly. Know, I mean, I don't care how much you love the guy. I mean, they must have really believed his BS, and he must have sold him a really good story. That's all I can think of. Probably so. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but see, he this is the karma though. He did not keep himself out of trouble. So, um, he actually would go back. He he didn't have to go back to to um, jail or to court for another year, but he actually kicked himself in the nards seven months early because he tried committing suicide at his mom's house mm-hmm. uh, he injected uh which also is another reason and uh, a way of telling the police that yes you are very guilty you know <laughs> trying to kill yourself before you go to jail to kill yourself before you go to jail mm-hmm. yeah he took he ingested pills um like uh oxycontin along with jaegermeister whoa yeah he was trying to off himself and uh, the reason why he got put back in jail is not only for the suicide attempt, but he tried to to attack the paramedics that were trying to help him, as well as the police officers, which is obviously an assault on a p- police officer charge. What an idiot. So they were more than happy to arrest him and put him back in jail. What an idiot. Uh, no bail for this one. Nope, no bail for that one at all. And he got uh, 20, he got uh, he got charged with attempted murder. Uh, assault charges and he was found guilty also of having sex with a minor and sentenced 20 years to life good so he does have the um, what is it called he does have the possibility for parole in 5 years I don't think he would I I don't think that he deserved it they should have just gave him a life sentence but 20 years to life at least it's, it leaves room for the life sentence. Mm-hmm. And as as you noticed, I said attempted murder. So Ashley survived. Wow. Yes, this is a true survivor story. Um, she is not a vegetable, and she does not. She's uh, not. She's not. No, she's not. Uh, believe it or not, uh, after the medically induced coma, she came out of it three months later. Um, doctors did not know what was her mindset, what she 
could offer the world if she if it was worth keeping her alive but they did surgeries to uh, help her out to to obviously stabilize her neck and she began to communicate writing on tablets because her vocal cords needed to get healthy again they were jacked up um he did as much damage to her vocal cords as you could do with a knife but with his hands god yeah it was violent well he was a wrestling you know uh, and he was a strong guy exactly bro exactly but um but credit ashley she never gave up and she kept fighting and the detectives and police were there to check on her all the while and they were like man this girl is a huge fighter it took her six months for them to remove the feeding tube so where she can actually have food and drink for the first time uh you know ingesting it like a normal human being instead of through a tube dang man that is that's a miracle man Bro. yeah it is and then you'll see what too though as we finish out the story here uh she had to be taught how to eat and walk and talk all over again and mediocre wow. tasks that me and you take for granted she had to it was a struggle for her to get everything back it took two years and wow. of, of continued rehabilitation before she was able to take care of herself walk around and be normal again and uh you know that's it's pretty crazy um they would find out through her that sam uh the the you know shelton the the uh, accused here and the the, the guilty party um, mm-hmm. was grooming her from when she was the age of 10 and he was 20. So as a teacher's aide, he would be paying her more attention and trying to like make it like, you know, like she was starting to have a crush on him at 10 years old, basically, she said. Mm. So he worked that situation till it, it became something good for him. By the time she turned 16, they had a relationship off and on for about a year. So her boyfriend didn't know anything about it, um, but it, as as this all went down the scumbags in jail uh she recouped from everything and you know she still has like when you hear her talk she has to slow herself down like so that she doesn't um mess up words or Mm -hmm. jingle things up she talks slower Mm -hmm. but she can talk and articulate she and before we finish she has a career she has a husband of i think seven years now and she also has two small children so wow she has learned to live a normal life again and uh she learned a valuable lesson from this whole incident and that is the story wow of ashley reeves that's wow man that's that turned out to be a happy ending even though it turned out to be a a, a sad and traumatic event for her but Man, the first time we had an actual happy ending at the end. Right? I mean, I try I try to, like, give us one thing. Because sometimes we'll have hope with, like, the survivor. Like, the you know, you, you still have someone that died. But, you know, maybe one of the survivors that got away or something. You kind of, like, try to pull the best out of it to try to end the story. But, yeah, a lot of the times we finish this one scratching our heads. Yeah. Being pissed off. You know, it's a bleak story. Um. But this one, I, I felt, man, this one, this one came out very unexpected. When I saw the story, I was like, "Damn, I didn't, I didn't think she was gonna make it." So me neither, man. And I hope Sam gets that jail justice. If you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. I, <laughs> I hope there's plenty of inmates that love his blue eyes. Oh man. 
<laughs> I hope they love his blue eyes to get to his brown eye. That's what I, I hope. bet they call him Samantha now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what happened to her boyfriend though? They just you know, split after. I looked everywhere for that and I couldn't find it. So I imagine yeah. I'd imagine they would have said that she would have, you know, settled with him, but I'm pretty sure as much as he felt that, you know, he's probably by her side too. But I think he even knew, like, if she comes out of this, yeah, we're we're never gonna be together again. So yeah, she did marry somebody else, and that guy's taking really good care of her. So and that's good, man. That's good. But to think, man, I think she would. I would have thought she'd be in a wheelchair, maybe, and you know, the husband. Me, me to, too. Me too. Yeah, I thought she would have to be taken care of by somebody for the rest of her life. But she's very independent, walking around like nothing. So does she have a lamp like our? If you she see, she, she walks, I'd say about 90% normal. Like you could kind of see she has a weak, one of her legs is weak. Mm-hmm. Like when they showed her in the interview. But mm-hmm. for the most part, she looks like a normal, a normal woman. Ain't that something? Yeah. Man. Pretty crazy. That is, that is good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad, man. And I'm happy for her family and for her. So. Well, thank you, Todd, for breaking down that story of Miss Ashley Reeves. And we finally had a happy ending to, <laughs> to a, a, a crime story here. So thank you for that, Todd. You're welcome. Yeah. So if you guys enjoyed that one, we appreciate it. And um, we're signing off. But before we do, we'll let you guys once again know where you can find us. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Type in The Grinding True Crime. You can follow us. Leave a comment and a message. And we'll try to get back to you. Um, if you want to continue to listen to us, follow us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, uh, iTunes, and Pandora. And also, for those outside the country, continue to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Go to redbubble.com, type in Top Fox 80 for merchandise. And also, we have a, um, a Cash App account if you guys would like to donate to the Grinding True Crime. Just type in dollar sign Grinding True Crime on Cash App. So we thank you for that and we are signing off this is maddie matt along with our narrator for today todd fox and just us hopefully we get get you guys back for the next episode yep so we are signing off peace y'all come back now here